0: The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com. Okay. All right. As you wrap up your welcome, find a seat. You. If you came in during the worship, Now's a great opportunity to find a new seat. If you need a little bit more space. (laughs) Oh, praise God. I know Rob's got to talk now. It's uh, go back to singing. God is so good. And the worship is so sweet. Thank you for your testimony, Gina, and just how the Lord met you. And, um, we're going to be talking more about just the freedom we have in Christ as we go through Galatians. And today, Paul is looking at just whose child are you? Are you a child under the law who is a slave? Are you a child of, of grace under the freedom that comes in the gospel? And, and he makes the distinction. And so today we're going to finish chapter 4. Uh, next week I will start, uh, the beginning of five and then, um, I've invited Pete to come back in two weeks and actually preach part of five again. So you'll get to hear him. Um, it was just a blessing. I was out of town when he preached last time and I actually want to be in the seat looking at him next time he preaches. So, uh, he'll be with us in a couple of weeks. So you'll want to make sure that you're here for that because, it was such a blessing. If you missed that, it's on, um, it's on the website and you can hear what God is doing with them and how he is calling them to Portland and, and all that. But he'll be in Galatians the next time he's up here. So if you have your Bible, open to chapter four. and We'll be looking at verses 21 to the end. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, the Bible under the seat is a free gift to you. You can use that one. If you have a hard time seeing the print, the red ones are large print. And, uh, or you could borrow my glasses or, well, you're using yours already. <laughs> I was gonna, well, you, stand, you even looked over your shoulder. I love that. He's like, you're not talking about me. Like, yeah. But I was gonna say, you borrow my glasses or stands, but, <laughs> but uh, you can also follow along on the screen. Will you pray with me? I'll read our passage and then we'll go through it. Um, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time in it. We're gonna focus more on the Lord's Supper together uh, at the end of it. Father, we thank you for just your goodness. We bless you in the heavenlies, your people. We just lift up praise to you. We, we lift up our worship, our thanksgiving, God, we lift up our hurts. We lift up our sorrows, our joys, our frustrations. Just give it all to you. Because you're who we need. The world tells us there's so much to look to and so much that we should do or act certain ways to get your attention, but it's, it's you, it's you, God, that we need. So as we go through this passage, Holy Spirit, teach us, open our hearts to receive. You promised God that the helper would come and teach us in all truth. And we, we say, come and teach us now. This is your revelation to us. And we have ears to hear. And may we ponder the questions that come out of it today. May we be transformed because we have been in your presence. Thank you for giving us one another as we worship. The more we wanna say thank you for being our God, for being close to us, for drawing near, for never leaving or forsaking us. For even if we're in this fellowship today and we feel like we're alone in a sea of people, you're here. You're near. You're listening, you're consoling, you're caring. So as we worship in the word, we ask that you would care for our soul. O oh, great shepherd. We ask this in Jesus name, Father. Amen. Galatians chapter four, starting in verse 21. This is what Paul writes to the churches in that region. Remember, Galatians is written to a bunch of churches in the region of Galatia. And so this is what he writes. Starting in verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem from above is free and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just at that time, he who was born according to the flesh Persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. So also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. This is the word of the Lord for us. Little interesting passage to go through today, yeah? So we're gonna spend some time in Genesis and we'll put it in context and and, uh, we'll walk through what Paul is really saying. He starts here in verse 21. He says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? He uses this word desire. In the previous passage, he said, you want to go back to those things. He talked about the heart's positioning, that attitude that I long for the things that are familiar the things that have held me in bondage those things i want those and we talked about five different reasons people go back to those things last week but he's saying and now the same kind of thing you who desire to live this way you who have a heart attitude that says i i i just it's by works i'm i'm good enough i'm strong enough i'm going to pull myself up by my own strength. I'm going to show God how worthy I am by doing all that he said in his word. He says, that's your heart posture. He's like, you who desire this, you who want to be under the law, he says to them, do you not listen to the law? So they desire to be under it. He says that they long for it. They, they're requesting it basically. They, they want it. Why do they want to be under the law? Oh, to be right with God, to be reconciled And their understanding of why we do the law, to receive God's favor. Maybe, maybe you're doing that today. Maybe you're playing a religious game. You're like, I do all of these things because I'm praying for something particular in my life. And if I do these things, I'm going to show God that, that he should answer that prayer. I'm worthy of it. I've, I've been a good boy for a while. It's like he's Santa Claus and I, I want to be on the, on the nice list and get off of the naughty list. And I'm playing this game. I desire to be under the law because maybe I can receive his favor. Well, he says, do you not listen then? If, you, if, if this is where you're going, do you not pay attention to what the law says to you then? Do you not listen to the law? And this word listen is just, you know, like getting your attention. I mean, it goes back to the idea of the Shema. I mean, if we're talking to to Jewish believers here, we're actually talking about Gentiles trying to live like Jews, but it kind of goes back to the Shema where he says, listen, Israel. It's like to get your attention. He's like, oh, you want to talk about the law? Do you not listen? Are you not hearing God's law then? Are you not doing what it says? Verse 22, he goes on to say, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. So he goes to this testimony of Abraham that God brought his people from Abraham. He's he's like, okay, if we're going to go to the law and people are talking about the law and they're talking about we are the right children of Abraham, we have right standing, Abraham is our father, this is who we claim to be. If you remember Jesus, when he was talking to religious leaders and they were in disputes often about law and what was right and what was holy and what God said. And in one moment, the Pharisees turned to him and they say, we're sons of Abraham. They go back to this, like, this is who we're from. And Jesus says, no, you're not. If you were sons of Abraham, you would receive me. In fact, you do what your father does. You're sons of the devil. Jesus makes a distinction. So he's like, okay, if you're living under law and those who came in are saying, you gotta be as we are and Abraham's our father and we follow the law because from him, we eventually get the law from Moses who came down from Sinai. He says, okay, well, Abraham has two sons. So he, he wants them to understand that there's two groups. So let's look at Genesis 16 and look at the history because he's going to then take what really happened and say, I'm going to use this allegorically. And he does that in the spirit. And he does that in the Lord. And so we'll talk a little bit more about how Paul uses the passage. But in 16 verses one through 16, I'm just going to read it so we can just kind of hear the story of Hagar, hear the story of Sarah and figure out like, who are these two sons we're talking about? Because I don't want to take for granted that you, you, you know this story. So here's what it says in Genesis chapter 16. So Abraham has been given a promise. He's going to have a child. They're trying to figure it out. They don't know what that looks like. He and Sarah are old. Sarah has a servant. And that kind of sets up the stage. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar, and Sarah said to Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abraham, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarah, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. And then Sarah dealt harshly with her and she fled from her. And the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness and the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from? And where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah, He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, here, I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Ber Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abraham a son and Abraham called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. So this is the son born of the flesh that Paul is talking about. This is not the one of promise. This is the one of the flesh. They were doing this in their own strength, trying to bring about the promise of God in their own power. God said, he's going to do this Well, I guess it's up to us to make that happen. (laughs) We've probably felt that way, haven't we? We've probably tried in our own strength to orchestrate the outcome. Had a faithful brother last night as we were praying and said to me, pastor, it's not your job to orchestrate the outcome. It's your job just to be faithful. Abraham here is trying to hold everything and make it happen. Sarah says, I can't have kids. So they try in their own strength to make it happen. Maybe you have done that yourself. I know I have, I can relate to this, but this is not the child of promise. This is the child of the flesh. So then we go over to Genesis 21 verses one through 21. And we see the child of promise. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. See, the Lord did it. He did all of it. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born to him. Dads, hundred years old. His wife is 89. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be the heir with my son, Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For, though, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away, and she departed and wandered into the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him, a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, Let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink and God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So here's a segment of the story, but it gives us context to what Paul's talking about. You have two women, two sons, and he's saying there's, something for us to glean here. And he wants us to understand this analogy because he's going to say, this can be understood allegorically. Now, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's not just taking anything from the Old Testament and saying, this means this, and this means this, and this, the spirit of God is working and Paul is using patterns and types, and he sees what God is doing. And what God is showing through the Spirit to Paul is, I was doing this in history. I was intervening, and I was working here, and I was moving here to show myself, so when I work here to show the fullness in Christ, you will recognize it. He does patterns and types in the history of men. God works, and Paul sees that, and he says, there's something for us to glean here. And the reason I say this is of the Spirit, because you'll see in the New Testament, others will look at prophecies of the prophets. They'll look at different phrases and things out of the Old Testament and say, this means this, this is the fullness. That was inspired by the Spirit. We need to be careful when we look at the scriptures, not to just have a field day with them. We can make them say things they do not say. And so here, Paul is giving us an inspired allegory of how God has worked in the history. And he says, pay attention, because he gave us a pattern here. He gave us a type. And so for you who are falling into the law, falling into trying to live by way of the law, here's what this analogy of Abraham tells us, that there were two. So verse 23 in our passage says this, But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. So he says, Hagar's child came not through the promise, but by Abraham trying to bring about the promise in his own effort, by his own wisdom. Hagar was a servant. She was not free. She was a slave. And her child would not receive the inheritance given to Abraham. Sarah was, was barren and beyond childbearing years, though God's mirac- through God's miraculous power, she conceives and God brought them the child of promise. I don't, I don't know many women who want to be pregnant and having a kid at 90 years old. I don't know any who would want that. And she says, God put laughter in my mouth because it seemed absurd to her. Me having a child? a promise, this being fulfilled, God can't do that. Have you sought that? I know I have. I looked at my circumstances and God's saying, Rob, I'm doing this. I want you to just walk safely in this direction. And I look at my surroundings and I say, God can't do that. Like I physically can't do that. My circumstances won't allow that. Their heart posture is not there. This can't happen. I drive an old beat up Ford Ranger. He can't use me in this. (laughs) It's a rust bug. It's just falling apart. He can do it. He can put laughter in your mouth. He can show that he can work in your circumstance. That's what she says. She says, he has done it. And when people see it, they're going to laugh and be like, did you think Sarah would have a child at 90? Oh my goodness like they would laugh about it but it's a testimony this is the child of promise Sarah was a free woman she was the wife of Abraham she's the matriarch of the household her child Isaac would receive the blessing and the promises of Abraham It's a spiritual it's a spiritual analogy here one of the flesh, trying in their own strength to to gain the promise of salvation, the other receiving the promise. He says, you're trying in your own strength. You're, You're like this one who is trying to do it all and adhere to the promise and make the promise come about. You can't make the promise come about. The promise is perfect and good. The law is perfect and good. It shows us the holiness of God. It shows us that we need God to work on our behalf to save us. He says, but you're trying to earn it like Abraham tried to make it come about. He says, you can't. You have to be born of grace. You have to be born of the free woman. So in verse 24, that's what he's saying. He's like, this isn't an analogy. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Verse 25, he says, now Hagar is is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children. So this is really interesting. So Paul is using this story of these two to show this pattern, this type, and that's common. Again, that's common in the old Testament. We see patterns and types all the time. For example, I'll give you a handful of examples of Christ being a type or a pattern. He is the last Adam. He is a type of Abel. He is a type with Noah's Ark, one who saves Melchizedek. He is of that lineage. Jacob's ladder, the way to heaven. Isaac is, he's a type here. Joseph, he is a type there. Moses and even the Passover lamb. These are just from Genesis right into the beginning of Exodus. These are things that Christ is identified with. He is a type, and in fact, Jesus himself points this out to us in Luke chapter 24, verses 25 through 27. He's talking to two men after he has been crucified, dead, and resurrected, and they're going back. They're on the road to Emmaus, and they're licking their wounds, you know, and they're having a pity party that Jesus was crucified, and he's like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, are you the only one who hasn't been around Jerusalem that heard about what happened to Jesus? Jesus. And then Jesus says this to them, "O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer in these things, suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He says, guys, the Old Testament points to me. (laughs) The law points to me. The prophets point to me, he unlocks it for them. Best Bible study none of us ever get to be a part of, right there. Like, he's like, this is the fullness of what has been spoken and it's Christ. So let me point this out. When you are interpreting scripture and you're looking through the scriptures, it better be pointing to Jesus. Too often we can make this about ourselves. There's things where God interacts with us and he has promises for us and he works in our life, but it's about Jesus. And then it's about the relationship you have with Jesus. So here we see that Paul says, here's this analogy that we have. And he, and he says, Hagar represents Jerusalem today. So he kind of shifts. What does that mean? Well, it means that the Jews are trying to earn God's favor by living through the law. So he says, Abraham tried to do it in his own strength. And the Jews today are trying to earn salvation and favor through the law. So that's Jerusalem of today. They're under slavery. They're under law. They're not free. That's why Paul's preaching the gospel to them. That's why he says, I would gladly go to their judgment if they could all be set free because they're right now enslaved under the law not knowing that they're enslaved. Verse 26, he says, but the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother for it is written, verse 27, rejoice, O barren one who does not bear, break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has has a husband. So he says, the one from above is spiritual. The Jerusalem from above, that's what we're a part of. That You have to be born of grace, born again through the gospel of Jesus, not by your own works. As he says here in verse 27, rejoice. It should bring about shouts of praise, y'all. When we're worshiping and when we're in the presence of God and we're at times of just being together with him, there's times where it's appropriate to lift up shouts of praise and rejoice. Thank you. It's appropriate. It's appropriate to come with him and saying, this is what God has done for us His people. We lift up our shout. We lift up our praise. He says to them in verse 28, he says, you brothers are like Isaac. Children of promise. So what does he say to them? He knows that they've fallen back into the trap. Here's what I want to point out. He doesn't cast them off. He says, You're children of the promise. Walk in your true identity. You received the gospel when I came there. You you received it. You repented. You turned, and someone duked you into following this. The Judaizers said, this is how religion looks. This is how Christianity should be practiced. You must look like this. You must dress like this. You must talk like this. Your Bible must have your name in gold on the right corner on the bottom, or it's non official. (laughs) You know, like all of this stuff, whatever the rules are, they said, these are the rules. You got to do it. And they said, oh, that's the rules we got to do. And they stopped having relationship really with God. And they started being religious and trying to earn God's favor through the law. And Paul says, I know that you're my brothers. I love you. He doesn't cast them off. He says, you are children of promise, but you're living like the slave children. You have freedom. You have freedom. Verse 29, he says, but just at that time just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit so also it is now so he says others are not children of promise they are slaves they are under law these judaizers have come in and they've brought a form of religion, but it's not the gospel they're preaching. It's not good news. They need Christ. They need to be born again. And they have brought persecution because if you are not with them, you're against them. They want you to toe the line with them and do what they say to elevate them. He says that in the earlier passage, they make much of you. Why? So you will make much of them. He says, it's it's a self-seeking thing that's happening. And he says, these are bringing contention and division and strife to you calling you away from the freedom that's in Jesus and calling you into bondage. The Galatian situation is just like Isaac and Ishmael. There's persecution, there's animosity. He says there's only two covenants and those two are opposed to one another. The self-righteous have always had animosity against those who are free. And listen, those who are free always must fight against pride towards those who are in bondage. Because we can say, I'm free. I don't need that. I'm doing better than that. I'm, we can have pride against those who are in bondage. We who are free should be like Christ, gentle and lowly, full of humility, full of humility and grace full of love because it's by grace and by the love of God that we have been saved, not by anything we've done. And we extend that back to others, not judgment, but grace and mercy. And so verse 30, he says to them, so brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. So unity it cannot be achieved unless it is in Christ. True unity is not achieved unless it's in Christ. We must all be in the light together. Light and darkness cannot work together. We can't syncretize them. We can't bring the law and the gospel together and say, we're just going to get along and have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and it'll be okay. No, they, they cannot be together. This is a false gospel. This is a, a gospel that leads people away from Jesus and puts them under bondage. And so to have true unity, we cannot bring this in or try to redeem it. We, as he said, must cast it out. The Israelites, when they came into the land, they were told not to syncretize their faith and their worship of Yahweh with the pagan gods. In Deuteronomy, it told them actually to cast those things out, to burn those idols, to get rid of those uh, items of worship of the pagans and that like not to have anything to do with it. So we cast off, we cast out those things that if we let them in little by little, will work through the whole loaf like, like uh, leaven. Jesus said, just a little leaven will work its way through. A little bit of law, a little bit of new age, a little bit of what, whatever you're trying that's not of God. And you say, well, we, can, we can do this together. No, you have to cast it off. And we have to walk in purity of life before our God and holiness. And so legalism is one of those works that will make itself, through a, a fellowship, through their, their fellowship here and cause division and, and cause people to fall under bondage and worldly practices. So, so Paul says, turn away from legalism and turn back to grace. We're going to take communion. And here's the questions I want you to ponder before we, we get there. Whose child are you today? Whose child are you today? Are you... Child of the law, or are you a child of grace? If you're a child of the law, come to Jesus. Repent, turn, receive the gospel, the good news that he saves you from your sin, that you don't have to do it. Take his forgiveness and give him your sin. And then rejoice and come and partake of the Lord's table. If you are a child of grace, a child of promise, have you been living like a child under the law? What areas of your life would the Holy Spirit expose where you have been walking in maybe forms of legalism or judgment <laughs> of others? Where have you been striving in your own strength? Ask God that like, Lord, where have I been striving to do this thing in my own strength? Have him expose that to you. Repent of that, confess that, and then come and take the table. What must be repented of and replaced is is that final question. What must be repented of and replaced? Often we say, search our hearts, ask God to reveal it. He does, confess that, but what must replace that? Ask him that question as well. And he'll be faithful to help you replace the lie with the truth, walk in that truth, and then come take the table. Because it's by his blood and his body that we are unified, that we are one, that we have new life. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 and 18, Paul says this, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in parts. He says there's Divisions. There should not be divisions. Before you take the Lord's table, is there someone that you need to be right with today? Is there someone that you need to say, I wanna pray with you? Grab them, come off to the side while people are coming and say, hey, I just wanna tell you, I just wanna be right with you. Forgive me. Here's my heart posture. Here's my attitude. Here's my thoughts. And then come together to the table and take it unified in forgiveness and in Jesus. Paul says, there's a strife that was happening in Corinth. He says, I, I understand it. Verse 19, he says this though. He says, but there must be fractions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So in Galatia, those who are walking in freedom, those who are walking in grace can be seen. And he says, emulate that. in, in, in Corinth, he says, those who are walking rightly Emulate them. Like you can start to see and you know who's doing what they should. He says, walk like them. They're walking in the gospel. Who are you modeled after? Who are you walking after? Ask God to show you that. Who am I striving after? Who is my example? This is the reminder. Christ is that type, that Old Testament type, the Passover lamb, verses 23 through 26. This is what Paul writes about the table. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this is a beautiful picture of the grace that we have received saying that we are children of the promise. We have unity in him. We have forgiveness in him and we strive to be more and more like our savior. And one day he will come and make all things right and bind up everything that is broken and create everything new. We proclaim that and say, hallelujah together. Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping Him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our website.